for the love of goats. We are talking about everything goat. Whether you're a goat owner, a breeder, or just a fan of these wonderful creatures, we've got you covered. And now, here is Deborah Neiman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. This is an episode that I know a lot of you have been looking forward to. This is one of the most requested topics I've received, and I've been looking for somebody to talk about this for quite a while, but so many people have told me that they really don't have any experience with older goats because they are food animals, and so you know there's not that many people keeping them for the entire length of their natural lives. And so the brave person who finally said yes to my request was Dr. Michael Posado, assistant clinical professor of food animal medicine and surgery at Mississippi State University College of Veterinary Medicine. And he's also a diplomat of American Board of Veterinary Practitioners for food animal practice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Posado. Thank you, Deborah, for inviting me. I always love talking with you and your audience. Thank you. And I know this is a topic that is very near and dear to the hearts of many people. And me too. Like, I feel like I've been really lucky with my old goats because they haven't had too many bad problems as they got older. In fact, I had one doe who was a really incredible milker. And so every time she kitted, she would get so skinny and have such a challenge with parasites. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's not going to live very long. I retired her after she was 10 years old and she lived to be 16 and a half. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's really impressive as a working mama, if you will, to make it all the way to 16 and a half. That that is very impressive. Yeah. I took pictures of her when she was like 14 or 15. And I'm like, you look better now than you did when you were eight. I understand this. (laughs) Retirement did good for her. Really, she loved her retirement. And I, what I usually try to do with the does is I always try to keep one of their does from their very last kidding so that they've got their daughter there with them for their uh, golden years. Yeah. And, and she was like, she was right there with her daughter. They were always snuggled up, sleeping together, you know, forever. And it was so cool. But I think she's a really great example of how, you know, goats can really live a long time if they don't have the continuous stress of, you know, kidding and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And usually most of the questions I get are from people with weathers. And I even had somebody contact me once who had a weather that was close to 20. And I was just so blown away by that. And wow. <laughs> of course he was having all the age related problems. Sure. So I, even though Sherry was 16 and a half, like she still got around really well you know, it did not look like she had any problems with her teeth or arthritis or anything like that. So I really didn't have any experience with that. And I couldn't find anything for mm-hmm. like, you know, what do you do for um, like, let's just start with age related arthritis, like talk about the difference between that and CAE, which is an infective type of arthritis. And then, you know, let's get into what do you do if you have a goat that has got arthritis just because it's old? Yeah, absolutely. So I've had the pleasure of having a lot of experience with varying ages of sheep and goats. And the goats, obviously, uh, as an animal that tends to bode better as a pet, uh, especially, you know, even a production animal post-retirement, tends to do better as a pet. I have seen a lot of goats that have lived um, well into their golden years. You know, as, as a lot of our listeners know, the average age for most goats is anywhere from 10 to 12 
depending on the use or the breed, some of them will live much longer. So the oldest I've ever seen was about 23, I think. And I was uh, unfortunately called out to euthanize him because he was down at that point, but he had lived a nice long life and hadn't had any issues. And in fact, it was the first time a veterinarian had seen him, which I was um, just made by that. Uh, I think that quality veterinary care is going to help extend the life of your geriatric goat gal or, or goat guy. But yeah, there's a lot of things that I think about when it comes to geriatric care and geriatric disease. One of the things I tend to stress to my students and my clients is that age is not a disease, but with advanced age comes more advanced disease presentation. And I think it's really important to start off with a age-related arthritis discussion. As you all know, as we get older as uh, mammals, our bones and joints, just from the gravity of the planet pushing down on us every day, we start to get some wear and tear. And that happens the same to our uh, livestock friends. So goats that are uh, mobile throughout their entire life, which is what we hope for all of our goats, as time goes on, we'll start to see some degenerative joint changes. We'll see where the cartilage starts to kind of wear away, where we start to get what we call osteophytes or, or bony protuberances kind of coming off of our joint spaces. And that arthritis can affect the animal anywhere with degenerative arthritis. So just like in humans, we can see arthritic uh, limbs. So seeing the, you know, major joints of the legs, we see arthritis in the spine. And sometimes what I've seen with older goats, especially older goats that are having a hard time getting up and the legs seem normal, everything seems normal, but this is a, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old goat that is having a hard time getting up. Occasionally what we'll find is that their spine has arthritis. So trying to navigate through that pain gets more and more challenging. And as with any livestock species, goats are really good about hiding things until it becomes uh, too late. And so many of our farm animal species will try to avoid showing, you know, a great deal of pain. Now we know goats can be very dramatic as well. So not to say that they are similar to, um, you know, every species, but I will tell you that any stoic animal will do really well at hiding its pain. So degenerative joint issues typically are going to be affecting any animal that has had a long life of movement. And so we're seeing degenerative joint changes when these animals are nearing the upper digits. You know, we're looking at double digits, like 10, 11. Sometimes if you're unlucky or genetics are unlucky and confirmation was a problem, which that does happen in younger animals. We have animals that are what we call post-legged or very straight uh, in the back legs, or maybe they have uh, some kind of angular limb deformity when they were born, something was off, or there was something that made them uh, bow out or bow in. That kind of chronic issue starts to wear on the joints in a different way than what it would if they were normal. And some of the times those animals will show you arthritic changes prior to that double digit area. So you might see that when they're getting into like six, seven years old. And these typically these arthritic changes that are degenerative, like I said, they're not necessarily going to target or affect one joint in particular. It'll start to be multiple joints affected at the same time. Now, Deborah brought up a really good differential or point that we need to talk about, which is CAE, caprine arthritis and encephalitis virus. This is a virus that most of our animals are going to contract basically immediately following birth. Uh, there's no current research showing that goats are able to get this virus while they're in utero. Typically, they are born healthy, but then when they consume colostrum from the affected dam, the goat kids then become affected. And this virus stays subclinical. It doesn't cause any 
changes or problems in the baby goat kids, at least with the arthritic form, until they are at least two to three years of age. Now, there is an encephalitic form, which is a whole other topic we can talk about again, but that may affect baby kids when they're less than six months. Typically, they're like two to four months of age. But for the arthritis, that's not a young baby disease, but it often comes before degenerative joint change would come for older gals or guys. And with the Caprin arthritis and encephalitis virus, we typically, not always, but we typically see the knee joint or the carpus, which is the front knee, as a big target area. So it actually has a colloquial name or a layperson name of big knee disease because we see large swellings in the carpi of the goat. And these changes are kind of insidious. So where degenerative joint disease, you may be able to help control with anti-inflammatories. This arthritic viral arthritis is going to cause severe joint degeneration in a maybe a bit quicker time frame than the degenerative joint disease. And so we'll see these joints kind of break down faster and faster with this virus and become more compromised as time goes on. So typically any animal that is over two to three years old can develop arthritis due to CAE, which is a very different presentation than your six, seven, eight, or 10, 11, 12 uh, degenerative joint disease goats that are old age and wear and tear. Okay. And then, so if you have an older goat that is having trouble standing up and things like that, what can we do for them? Yeah, that's a great question. So the unfortunate reality for most goats is that pain medication, like what we would take, like an ibuprofen or an aspirin, there's nothing really on label for a goat to take. There are some stuff we could do in the environment to make life easier. Things that we would do for any animal that's having issues as they age, maybe taking out uh, large stepping areas where they have to get up onto, removing things that are slippery from their environment. So uh, we like to bed in straw, but if straw gets to be really slick on a concrete floor, an animal that slips and falls, it could be deadly at that stage with that advanced age. So we might want to avoid um, avoiding things like that that make the environment a little bit more dangerous. In terms of treatment options, the best thing you could do is work with your veterinarian. There are medications available that are considered off-label, and those medications have to be prescribed via veterinarian, but they are very efficacious uh, when it comes to control of some of these degenerative joint changes. And one of my favorites is meloxicam. We use meloxicam in human medicine for humans with pain. It's, it's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. It is not an approved pain medication for goats. So it is considered extra label drug use and does require a veterinarian prescription. I definitely do not recommend going and feeding your goat your meloxicam from your medicine cabinet. Not a good idea. Work with your veterinarian and they can prescribe you the meloxicam, which is very safe for goats, fortunately. And what it basically does is it acts as an aspirin ibuprofen would for us. And in my experience, goats can have at home when they're in their kind of comfort zone, they can have meloxicam once a day for the rest of their life if they need it. Now, of course, it is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. There are risks with that as there are with any non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So we worry about gastric ulceration. We worry about possible kidney degeneration. We also worry about blood thinning, but To be honest, in most of these cases, these old goats are either going to die because they can't get up and can't move around and they can't do their daily function, or they're going to succumb to the treatment that we're trying to use on them. 
Um, and so the question we have to ask ourselves is quality of life. What is going to give them the best quality of life? And so for me, you know, I, I have found that using something like Meloxium, which is an oral treatment for them, working with your veterinarian to attain that could be very, very helpful for your old gal or guy and just can make them comfortable for the rest of their days in, uh, you know, their golden years. Yeah, I think that is not something that most of us picture as being an end of life problem for our goats that they can't stand. But it was a concept I got introduced fairly early in my goat owning years because the person I bought my first goats from became a mentor to me. Um, She had been raising goats for about 20 years when she sold me my goats. And around the 25 year point is when she decided to call it quits. And she said one of the things that kind of put her over the edge was having to put down one of her senior goats because she had arthritis. It was so bad. She could no longer stand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, and so, and meloxicam is something that we gave my dog in the last few months of his life. But one of the things that really helped him because he lived to be 15 was, I think it was around 12 or so when all of a sudden he was, he couldn't walk up the stairs anymore. And the vet suggested glucosamine chondroitin supplements for him. And within like a few days, he was running up and down the stairs again. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is like miracle stuff. Right, right. Can we give that to goats? Yeah, those are completely, glucosamine and, and chondroitin sulfate, those are things that are completely benign for goats. They're definitely not going to hurt anything. The challenge we have with goats, with oral anything, uh, is the rumen. The way that the rumen functions, you know, it is the largest compartment of the stomach in the ruminant. And it, of course, is the mixing vat with all the bacteria and protozoa. And so oral products, essentially, we don't use any antimicrobials, antibiotics, things like that for that reason. But anything else that's oral, things like sucralfate, which is something that we can use to kind of coat the GI, doesn't work well because it gets in the rumen and the rumen kind of gets rid of it before it can make it to the acid stomach, which is the abomasum. And I think with our joint supplements, there hasn't been, in my at least in my experience, there hasn't been a lot of research necessarily showing that they are completely efficacious. And I don't think that that rules them out, to be honest. I think that in terms of providing quality of life, it, it's not going to hurt them. We should just try it. Uh, we also make injectable products for the animals that, that require them, animals that maybe don't eat things well, a dog to cats, et cetera. So we do have injectable forms of um, hyaluronic acid and things like that. And I think that that could be a possible alternative to the oral products. Uh, what I normally recommend to my clients is try it. It's not going to hurt them. Give it a shot. Like I said, just because there's not necessarily a published research project saying that with 100% accuracy, it's going to work doesn't mean that it won't work a little bit. And anything you could do to make them more comfortable could be very helpful and extend, you know, the amount of time that you have with them and their comfort level in that time frame. Yeah. And it was so obvious that it helped my dog. I mean, and like, you couldn't even pet him. Like you touched him and he would yelp. And um, I know one time when I went on a business trip and came home I went to pet him and he yelped and I'm like, I knew my husband had forgotten to give him his glucosamine. Oh, yeah. Right, right. You exactly. Know? I was like, you forgot. Right. I could tell. Yeah. And I, and I truly, I do feel that. And it's something when I present on things like arthritis, I do present on like caprine arthritis and cephalitis. I've had some clients that have older animals 
with um, that disease as well, the only thing we can do for that is supportive care as well. So I think that using joint supplements is always a good option and it's something to try. And if it's not working, that's when you kind of reach for something that may be a more intense pain reliever. And that's where you'd come in with something like a meloxicam. Yeah. The rumen definitely messes things up for yes. us. It just yes, very complicates much so. everything. It, it really does. As a, as a rumen specialist, uh, it's, it's something that I love, but it's something that does create a challenge when it comes to selecting medications for use, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's good to know at least that it can't hurt them. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So you, you can try it and see how. Absolutely. I, I would definitely, you know, I think it's something you're at your, at your end of your rope and you need to tie a knot and hold on. That could be a knot to tie. And it's something that you can try. And like I said, it's, I, I don't think it's extremely expensive either. It's something that you can give and see how they respond. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is something that I have actually experienced before, although it was not with an old goat. You know, you mentioned bad genetics a little while ago, and I'm not sure how this happened to this goat. She was like about the fourth or fifth generation born on my farm, and I have never seen this in another goat. The one day, one of our interns said, oh, I just love Agnes's snaggle tooth. And I'm like, what are you talking about? None of my goats has a snaggle tooth. And I, she's like, oh yeah, it's so cute. That tooth that just sticks out. And I'm like, uh, show me what you're talking about. And I went and she had a tooth like sticking out. Yeah. And one of her front lower teeth was sticking out and I touched it and it was very loose. And mm-hmm. I realized all of her front teeth were very loose and she was only six years old. Right. And right. this was basically the beginning of the end for her. All of her front teeth wound up falling out over the next couple of years. I don't know how many of her back teeth fell out. Right. You can talk about how hard it is to look in a goat's yes. mouth. Yes. But she wound up dying when she was, I mean, the last time I bred her, she was eight. She could not even feed triplets. She couldn't produce enough milk. She got really skinny. Yeah. I tried soaking alfalfa pellets for her, mm-hmm. which she refused to eat. And so I tried um, senior horse feed because that like you can crumble that between your fingers. It's so soft. Exactly. exactly. But that was really I, I just could not do a lot for her. And so I know this is something that people don't usually see in a goat her age, but you certainly can see it in, in senior goats, too. So. What are some of the things that people can do when their goat is just not able to eat like it used to? Yeah, that's a really great point. You know, and I think what's important to remember is that our, you know, goats, unlike horses, they don't continually erupt their teeth throughout life. So like us, the ones they get are the ones that they get. So once they get their adult teeth that grow in, they end up having, you know, to keep those for however long they're going to have them. So when we talk about tooth loss, now there's, depending on where you are in the country, uh, you may have a similar situation to Denver where they actually start to lose their teeth early. So for example, in places with lots of sand, so uh, coastal areas, Florida, places have a lot of sandy soil, the teeth will actually tend to wear down a lot faster than places that do not have as much sand content, more clay-like soil that doesn't necessarily kind of wear it away. You can imagine like eating sandpaper, as horrible as that sounds, it's kind of what happens. So we start to see, you know, potential for younger animals to have that tooth loss. And, you know, the dentition of the ruminants, they have only bottom incisors, so they don't have any top incisors. 
And those bottom incisors are really, really important for being able to prehend or, or grab onto grass and forage and uh, browse and be able to put that into their mouth. And then, of course, they use the combination of their molars and their dental pad, that toothless top and their incisors to kind of mash it up. So if you're missing those incisors, then you start to worry about the possibility that the animal cannot get to any kind of growing forage. So the browse and the graze that you would get, the grass that you would get from the pasture. And so really what we, we have to focus on with animals that have very bad dentition, and that could be what we talked about with wear and tear. I've seen some animals with malocclusion, meaning that their jaws do not go together right. So this would be your animal that has like a slight kind of sideways jaw. When you look at them, their lower jaw sticks out to the side. Animals that have an underbite or an overbite also can have some issues. The underbite is probably the more concerning because if their jaws are not aligned for them to get the grass that they need, then you can imagine that the further back their jaw is from the top, the longer the grass has to be for them to have access to it. The shorter it gets, the harder it is to grab onto. So when you have animals that have dentition issues like that, the key element here is supplementation. You know, most of the time with a healthy animal with a full set of teeth, they can be on browse, graze, pasture for the majority of the year. And uh, depending on where you are in the country, of course, when it gets hot, like it is right now in Mississippi, it might be challenging to have your animals out grazing. Um, when it gets really, really cold and snowy, where you don't have uh, good pasture that's accessible, then you might have to supplement in that regard. So you might be supplementing once or twice a year, but with these older animals, you may need to supplement year round. And that supplement is going to vary. So you heard Deborah say a few things that were uh, possibilities when it comes to supplementation, from soaking pellets to make a soft mash, to soaking something like an equine senior, which is a grain that is made literally for older horses whose teeth are not uh, functioning as well. Now we know goats can be picky sometimes. As much as an indiscriminate eater as they are, you know, seemingly, there can be some animals that are very picky. So that might not go as well. You can soak pretty much anything. You can soak a uh, sweet feed or the grain that they get normally and try to make that into a mash because there are pelleted elements to that as well. You also could soak hay if you wanted to just wet down some of the hay and see if that helps anything uh, in terms of taking it. Now, I would say hay quality becomes a big concern with your geriatric animals. Really, we have to think about the uh, essentially age of the hay that we're feeding. So maturity, maybe is a better word for that, maturity of the hay that we're feeding. If the hay is very, very mature and there's a lot of stem and not a lot of soft kind of leafy structure, that hay is going to be challenging for that animal to eat because they don't have anything to break it down. And if it's a younger hay, a less mature hay that has leaves and uh, soft kind of elements to it, it's a little bit easier to eat. So things like alfalfa has a lot of leaves to it. It's a lot of softer structure if you get a decently younger quality or a less mature cutting. So the benefit of supplementation cannot be ignored. It's, it's something that being able to provide that added nutrition that they would normally get from a, a pasture-based system or from being out and browsing forage comes into play as a little bit less than what, what they should be getting. So and this kind of goes, ties in with our degenerative joint disease that we talked about too. If an animal is unable to walk the pastures anymore to get appropriate browse or graze, then we end up seeing them start to lose condition as well. So you may find that this supplementation of an older animal, providing them with an easily accessible feed stuff that is soft, easily mashed with or without teeth, 
And uh, you can you can trick them. You can mix a little bit of molasses in if you need to, if you know that they're very picky about certain things, at least to get them started. And then you can go ahead and start offering, you know, with less and less and less of the molasses or mixer. But again, goes back to the discussion of what's going to take this animal down a bad path, the fact that they can't eat and they're arthritic, or the fact that they're getting some molasses in their food every day, you know, and I think, I think we have to ask ourselves that questions with geriatric animal quality of life wise, we may do things that we don't normally do for our production based animals. Um, So key to this supplementation and making sure that that access is constantly there and making sure that your animal is as comfortable as possible trying to access that food as well. Yeah, those are some really good points. And I'm glad that you pointed out that like, we don't normally give molasses to animals. Correct. If this is the only way you can get them to eat, then it's the lesser of two evils, so. Exactly, exactly. I know that it seems like sometimes with this discussion, it's like, wow, that's a lot of work to take care of a geriatric animal. And it is, it's a lot of work. These are animals that are, you know, unable to kind of do what they used to do for themselves. And it's one of those things where, you as a producer or the client or the, you know, the owner has to make a decision of whether you want to continue to kind of make sure this animal nurses along, or if you want to let them, you know, go to the great pasture in the sky, if you will. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you've ever had a dog get old, which I, in some ways, I feel like I was very lucky in the past that like most of our dogs, like had a quick end because Last year, we had a dog who lived to be 15 and for the last nine months of his life could not control his bowels. And so, I mean, that was a lot of work. <laughs> like, And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, if you have pets, then you don't know how it's going to end for them. And I know with our goats, like I just always kind of hope like that, the goat that lived to be 16 and a half, that was like just my ideal, you know, I'm like, I couldn't be sad when she died because it's like, it was so perfect. Like we went to let the goats in one night and she didn't come in and we went looking for her and she was just, I mean, it looked like she was curled up sleeping, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, she had such a perfect life. Right. Um, And it's wonderful when it goes like that, but it unfortunately does not for everyone. Exactly. You know, I think the majority of people would say that they have had an experience like that. And then there's a lot of people that would say, oh, no, my experience was horrible. You know, I mean, I had to watch them, like you said, with your dog, the same similar situation has happened. I, I've had clientele that had geriatric goats that were just chronically lame. And we had them on all kinds of things to try and stop. We, we thought maybe they were suffering from the viral arthritis. We tested for it. It was negative. They just had degenerative joint disease, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things that there was a lot of trial and error that came in to trying to make them comfortable and, and happy. And it is, it is so much work, but for those clientele that wanted to do that, it was worth it for them. And, and they were very happy to have more time with that animal because that animal had been a big part of their life for 15 years, you know, um, so it's, it's definitely something that if you have had a pet, a dog, a cat or something like that, and you've experienced it with that animal. It, it's something that's not much different when it comes to these goats that are retired from their, their productive life. Yeah, exactly. Now I know as we are recording this, a horrendous heat wave is coming across the United States. Yes. And at the moment I I'm really grateful that I don't have any senior animals. I think my oldest, well, they are senior, but they don't seem senior to me (laughs) since, you know, I've had some live to 15 or 16. I think the oldest ones I have out there now are like maybe 12 because actually, unfortunately I did have three much older goats 
who did not make it through the winter. It was kind mm-hmm. of the same thing, you know, it's like just one morning we went out there and, and they were, they were dead. And so I know right now, like I am worried enough about my young, healthy animals surviving in this 90 to hundred degree heat. And I know some parts of the country it's, it's even surpassing a hundred. Like if you have really any animal and like, is there anything extra we need to be concerned about with our senior animals? Yeah, absolutely. I I think, again, this is a great point to bring up. So topical because we are indeed experiencing this wild heat wave. I know right now here in Mississippi, I think it's like 96 and feels like 106. And tomorrow, I think it's going to be like 98 degrees or something. So it is very, very hot. And yeah, the challenge with the animals that are geriatric or very young is that they don't necessarily handle environmental swings like this very well. You know, I will, I'll, I'll make a point about maybe an older animal that is in a different kind of realm of what we consider older animals being. Normally we think older animals might be thin, but there are a lot of animals that have been supplemented their entire lives and they are therefore a little obese. Those animals, they do not handle the heat as well as our animals that are in better body condition. It's almost like when they're really, really fat, the heat is much more challenging. And when they're really, really thin, the cold is much more challenging. And basically, you know, it takes a lot to try and cool an animal down, a person down. Goats don't normally sweat, like we see uh, sweating from horses. And so their their thermoregulation is not um, as efficient as our thermoregulation would be. You know, we we rarely see a goat running around outside or a cow running around outside with sweat soaked on their back. Um, They just don't have the sweat glands like we do necessarily. So when it comes to extreme heat, I think the important thing is shade. Absolutely. I think uh, when I see a pasture with no shade, no way to escape the sun, that's very concerning for me. I know for a fact that I wouldn't want to be in a situation like that, but any mammal is going to want somewhere to kind of escape from the sun, get out of the bright. And it's amazing, even at 90 degrees, 98 degrees, how much cooler it is in the shade. So we have to kind of take that into consideration. If you have a barn, if you have a, a place with electricity, getting fans is never a bad idea. Of course, anything you add to a barn or to an area that has straw or hay or wood adds a fire risk. But honestly, if you have a a solid electrical grid out there, getting some fans is so helpful for multiple reasons. One, it's helpful to kind of circulate air as best as possible. Two, it helps fly control. So um, another big issue we deal with in the summertime, of course, is flies. And if an animal is down and can't get up really well or lays there, maybe has manure surrounding it. Uh, the flies can be just as annoying as a very hot time of year. The other thing too, if they're indoors, make sure that there's some kind of ventilation happening. So if they have a barn or a shed or something, make sure that windows are propped open so that air flows through the barn. And that will allow for some kind of uh, ventilation, some kind of breezeway effect that's going to help decrease some of the heat issues in these, these animals. If push comes to shove, and uh, we do this a lot for obviously animals that are heavily fleeced, so like animals like um, angora goats, for example, or if we're going to work with sheep or or alpacas or llamas, shearing, shaving, shaving down and getting um, some of the hair off of these animals. You don't have to do your whole herd, uh, but maybe if you have one geriatric animal that seems to struggle with the heat, shaving that animal down, getting that hair, that excess hair off. Because sometimes our, our older animals, they don't shed out their winter coats as well either. They tend to, you know, not necessarily, especially if they're not as mobile, they're not walking and rubbing and kind of getting rid of some of that down coat that they have from the winter. So going in and trying to brush or shave that animal and get some of that hair off them is important. And then if, if you really want to, there's something that we use oftentimes in dairy cattle 
especially kind of commercial conventional dairy cattle, we use misters and um, water sources. And so if you have a spray bottle and you go out there and just spritz some of your animals, that effect of the evaporation off of the skin is cooling. So if you have some kind of uh, ability to do that, if you have like, uh, or you spray them down, I wouldn't recommend going out there and spraying everything with a hose. Uh, I think they might freak out <laughs> if you spray them all with a hose. But if you have some kind of misting ability, maybe when they're in the barn, you just give them a nice little mist of a spray bottle um, in the heat, the hottest time of the day. Some of that can help with controlling some of that heat. Now, obviously, heat can be deadly, but so can cold. And uh, I know that it's kind of weird to talk about cold right now, but I did just want to make a point that what Deborah said is, is very accurate. Unfortunately, with many geriatric animals, we consider the winter to be one of the most challenging times. And a lot of times we say, you know, I don't know if that animal is going to make it through the winter. And I've had clientele who put down animals before winter just because they know that they won't do very well. As you may experience yourself, when it gets very cold, your bones and joints tend to ache a little bit more. And if you're suffering from arthritis, you're going to be much more debilitated in the cold time of year. And then of course, if these animals are thin, their ability to maintain body temperature is a lot less uh, than an animal that has a, a good flesh or a, a good body condition. And so what we'll often see are animals that have a lot of metabolic draw from their body trying to heat it up in the winter time that they're not really taking in as much nutrients as they need to kind of make sure that they can, can keep themselves regulated. So these really thin, older animals that have mobility issues, that have other issues, they tend to suffer in the wintertime and they may even die due to the fact that there's just not enough oomph left in them to kind of get through that time of year. So um, right now, I think the biggest thing though with this heat wave coming through is just to watch your animals closely. If you notice that your animals are struggling or if you notice that they are you know, for me, I, I get concerned about open mouth breathing when I see an animal that's just laying down on the ground and not really being stressed. That's something that would be a little concerning. Maybe you should look at trying to move those animals to a, an area that maybe is a little bit cooler. And then, of course, I would warn against aggravating them or working them up right now. So if you're going to go out there and try and trim feet, it may not be the best time to do it. And it's 98 degrees and you're chasing them all around the barn because you're going to suffer and so are they. So keep that in mind, you know, when it's this heat wave, I mean, I personally, as a veterinarian, am a little slow looking at my calendar here. I'm a little slow this week and I'm not surprised because not only do the people not want to be out there, but I also don't want to schedule a ton of appointments where I'm going to work up a bunch of animals and then end up having them go into heat exhaustion or, or heat stress and heat can kill an animal. We see dogs, many times dogs go into emergency rooms with temperatures of 107 or more. There's a certain point where the temperature is so high that it will fry a brain. So we have to be very cognizant of that. Fortunately, I mean, goats can get very hot and be okay. So don't panic. It's not, they're probably not going to get fried just by sitting out in the sun. But if we go out there and work those animals and try to get them, you know, worked up, we might end up with some issues. Yeah, that's a really good point. Is there anything else about senior goats that we haven't talked about that you think people should be aware of? Yeah, I think one more thing I just always love to bring up with senior animals is neoplasia or cancer. You know, it's, it's something that most reports out there about cancer in goats are pretty few and far between. Uh, and a lot of it is exactly what Deborah has mentioned. Like, it's hard to find animals that are living very long to get enough data or information sets to put out anything on cancers or common cancers. And so one of the things I would caution anyone with a geriatric animal, lumps and bumps, take them a little more seriously. And if you notice that that animal, no matter how much they're eating, 
no matter how much you're providing them with feed and they're, they're ravenously consuming all of their supplementation we talked about, if they continue to lose weight, lose weight, lose weight, become emaciated and thin, there may be underlying problem there. So again, age is not a disease, but age does predispose to more advanced disease. So it's something to just kind of be aware of. And if, if you feel that that animal is just not thriving continually for a while, months, years, um, after you've been trying to, to feed them and make them feel better, there may be a time to say, you know, this animal may be suffering from something a little deeper than what I think. I've seen everything from lymphoma to, I had a, a goat with a rumen mass that ended up being a spindle cell tumor in the, in the rumen uh, that ended up ultimately leading to its demise. I had a, a uterine cancers are very common in females. So uterine cancers, I've seen one cause uh, inappropriate udder development in a goat before. So there's some stuff, if it's a really elderly animal and you're seeing something very strange, sure, I always tell my students, cancer can do anything. So uh, don't be you know, surprised if that animal develops something as it gets older. That's probably one of the most common things that will end up taking out a lot of our geriatric animals is cancer, similar to us. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really informative. And so I feel like I've got a little more information you know, as some of my goats get older again. And then when also when people contact me about, you know, how to help their older goats be more comfortable in, in their golden years. So Absolutely. I think this has been a very helpful episode. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks again for inviting me. And if anyone has any questions or concerns, feel free to reach out. And I appreciate you help welcoming me back. And that's it for today's show. If you haven't already done so, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes. To see show notes, you can always visit ForTheLoveOfGoats.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LoveGoatsPodcast. See you again next time. Bye for now.